Hello and welcome to Imp's WWE Adventures podcast on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Matt Mayer, aka Imp, and this is your quick look back at the WWE week that was. 30 minutes, bam, and I'm out of here. You can help the podcast out by giving a five-star review. You can also give a donation directly through Red Circle and become one of the amazing community by joining the Social Suplex Discord. A link is in the description. Listen to the other top-notch shows here on Social Suplex Podcast Network, a One Nation Radio with Rich Lasser and James Boyd, Keeping It Strong Style with Jeremy Donovan and Young Boy Joshua Smith, All Things Elite with Floyd, Wrestling Art with Chris Things, with Chris Things, and our two new shows here on the network, Trish and Sarah and Tunnel Talk, both have their initial episodes on the network already out if you want to go listen to them. And and what a week was it? Uh, it was difficult to say because I did the word order uh, incorrect on purpose. The first SmackDown of the new year, an incredible promo segment to kick off Raw, and a new champion down in NXT. Let's start with Smackers, titled SmackDown New Year's Day. De- New Year's Down? What have I written? <laughs> New Year's Down Revolution. I reckon that was a gag that I wrote on purpose <laughs> back when I watched the show. No fucking idea what that means now. Anyway, it was titled New Year's Revolution. God, God's sake, pass me. <laughs> New Year's Revolution live from Vancouver, Canada. Let's just get, let's get fucking get to it. I'm probably going to keep this in. <laughs> I found that funny. My own immediate tripping over myself. God damn. Who's going to qualify? What did we just witness, Corey? This... Roman Reigns' answer to Rocky. Throughout the show, Heyman dodging, really answering the question. Main event, AJ Styles versus Ellen Knight versus Randy Orton with the winners facing Roman at the Rumble. Roman feeling a bit Oprah as they all get an opportunity and you get an opportunity. AJ Styles' gear for the match as well is certainly from the shop. (laughs) No fear. His springboards are still beautiful as hell. Unfortunately, when he did the 450, his knee landed on LA Knight's head, a uh, visual that really helped sell the attack to come, given that LA Knight started bleeding from it. All three lads getting their shit in, showing us why they're contenders. Like, phenomenal forearm countered into an RKO to a huge pop. Knight dragging the referee out of the ring just in time to save that count. The referee down on the outside held the bloodline interference. This is where Roman Reigns takes his anger from the rock out on the three likely contenders in the ring. Nick Aldis is there the entire time, just watching from ringside. And to end the show, he quietly tells Roman, he doesn't get onto a microphone and announce it, he just goes to Heyman. By the way, just by doing this, Roman's earned himself a fatal four-way at the Rumble. Uh, he walks away. Heyman goes, <gasps> and he still get the crowd just fully reacting to what's happened in the ring. The live crowd having absolutely no idea that that match has been booked. I love that. I love the way that they did it. They didn't do a huge hoo-ha and whatever. The crowd is still reacting to Roman and still suckered into what's happening in the ring. But I love this as an answer to Roman for what happened with Rocky on Monday Night Raw. For Roman Reigns to have that reaction, to come out and to just attack angrily, I really liked that. Because he could have said all of these feelings in a promo, but for me, none of that gets across his genuine just anger better than just coming out and beating some lads down. (laughs) That really shows it so much better. So much better. But yes, I thought this was a really good segment in terms of getting that across. In terms of AJ Styles, Ellen Knight and Randy Orton, uh, you know, whatever, setting up a Rumble match which is, you know, fine enough. Uh, it does take out three people from the Rumbles. That's three pops. 
However, it does another really good job of getting LA Knight out of the rumble because he's a guy who's not really in contention to win, but, you know, don't take the risk. <laughs> pull him out. Plus, it also means you've got three people not in the rumble who are all over 40. It's one of the older all-time ages <laughs> for a WWE Championship match. Getting them out of there is absolutely fine. Like, you've got bigger fish in that rumble. You've got CM Punk, you've got Cody Rhodes. It's basically the Raw Rumble. Like, the biggest names from SmackDown have kind of been taken out of the rumble. Which is fine, it just puts the focus over there. That's absolutely fine. Um, like, no cards whatsoever. For me, this was setting up that notch in Roman's character. He's just angry. He's taking it out. So you learned what his reaction was by seeing it visually. You didn't have to be told it. And for me, that does so much more than just him saying, I am angry. I am so angry at Rocky, or whatever. Or he tries to be cocky in the face of it. It's like, this does a lot more. This, it gets over how big it is that The Rock came back for Roman, but it also gets across his character's reactions all at the same time without having to just individual sentence state it, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, the questions coming off of it are what I talked about last week, where, or well, who does Roman face at WrestleMania? When does he face The Rock? Because last week my status was pretty strongly, I don't think that The Rock should face Roman Reigns' Elimination Chamber purely because of how WWE writes stories. But now that Eric Bischoff has said it, oh, <laughs> am I convinced? No, <laughs> obviously not. <laughs> obviously not. Obviously I don't think the same way. It's, it's more to do with how WWE writes stories. In my head I'm questioning, does The Rock come back to set up Cody Rhodes? And that's the question I've got to answer myself. For him to be in Australia... So these are any Australians who are excited, <laughs> or whatever, at the possibility, at the chance. If Roman Reigns is going to wrestle The Rock in Australia, the question has to be, in this world, in this reality, that means The Rock is, character-wise and story-wise, a set-up piece for Cody Rhodes, who is the ultimate end of the story. So the question is, would The Rock do that? It's like, he's still got that carny in him. <laughs> would he be able to put that aside for the greater good? But also, The, the Rock Roman Reigns is your biggest match. Like, Cody Rhodes is big, but he's not The Rock. I don't know what happens at the Elimination Chamber because it's not bloody what I predicted. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to that when I talk about Monday Night Raw. All of my predictions fell apart. I was going with Randy for the Rumble and AJ Styles for Elimination Chamber. And obviously this week that just got completely squashed and I've got no idea what's happening at the Chamber. <laughs> Which suddenly opens that door of, it could be Dwayne though. It could be him. <laughs> but no, no, no. I would not think it leads to The Rock setting up the bigger story. Surely in The Rock's mind, he is the biggest story. Why would he be a set piece? And if, if unless Triple H is somehow able to convince him otherwise, it's like, no, trust me, by doing this, you're getting Roman over to make this end of the story even bigger for WrestleMania. Because uh, I was going to talk about it with the Raw stuff, but they have brought up quite often that Stone Cold is the last person to have won the Royal Rumble back-to-back which means they are using that for the Cody Rhodes character. It makes sense to set that up, get people expecting and talking about it. This expectancy of Cody is either going to be winning the Rumble or is going to just fall short in some fashion, but they've already primed you and set you up for that to be played off with so they can now dance around with it however they like. I'll get to that stuff a bit more when I get to Monday Night Raw, but let's talk about the rest of the show. EO Sky versus Michin Miyayemi is one of the other matches I want to talk about. A damn great WWE Women's Championship telly match. It's your typical, like, three-star, but perfectly solid, really enjoyable match. But this was a great example of that. You can have really good three-star matches. <laughs> There's a lot of matches that are three-stars that I really enjoy, and I really enjoyed this. A crowd that was kind of just existing at the start of the match only got more and more invested as these two just killed it. A great Styles clash off of Brett's rope. An equally great dive to the outside into a splat from Yim to set up the finish. Like, oof. The booze having to be piped in 
because the Canadian crowd were just gracious in applause. Like, oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> well done. Actually, now I'll do a golf clap. Oh, yes. Well done. Well done. Well done. The done may have gone, but some of the isms still remain. <laughs> the crowd in appreciation of the match was like, well, no, no, no. EO's the baddie, though, so you need to do that. You need to pipe the booze in for EO. I've never understood. I mean, I know, when I say that, I've never understood. I know the thought behind it, but I've never understood why he would actually do it because the negatives of piping in the booze when you can visually see... The aura isn't just sound. It sounds a huge part, obviously, but it's not just sound. When the other parts aren't what you're audibly showing me, they have to match. <laughs> so piping in booze to that degree. It's like, in the post-Kevin Dunn world, you know, there's hope. There's hope that this kind of thing will disappear, but the isms are still there and they will take some time to get away. A great defence for EO. Uh, Mia Yim really stepped up as well. I feel like this could be the kind of match you can use to just propel her to being a bit more of a recurring role on the show. She's kind of been such a bit player for both the stable with the OC and with the role in the women's division, where she's just like a third-person player. Uh, or fourth-person player, possibly, or sixth or so, <laughs> whatever. Like She's just really not that big a character. But here, she really shows that, no, no, she could have a much bigger role on the show. Uh, especially where she currently is, where she's like the sixth most important in every tag team. Uh, even though still there's only four of them. Like, it, re- it really, like, she's way better than that, and this showed it. The US Championship Tournament final took place to kick off the show. KO versus Santos Escobar. A wave of, before we begin, <laughs> was uh, Logan Deckard himself watching from commentary. ALWO chasing Creo and Garza to the back, and finally the match can go underway. Kevin O is taking advantage, sending us to the ad break nice and hot after all of that distraction stuff. Uh, Logan getting the chance as he chats shit on commentary. The polarizing figure is so polarizing when he comes out, all of the attention is on him. Even this in this championship tournament final, where you've been building it up for weeks. It's, it's kind of the negative of do you want the crowd to be paying full attention to the match? Or do you want to have that dynamic of the champion there for the final? And it adds to his character that they're all focused on him rather than the match. KO winning with the stunner. Logan Paul running him and Canada down on the mic afterwards and earning himself a cast punch to the face, (laughs) setting up their match at the Rumble. And of course, following through with Kevin Owens' character as well. Someone is chatting shit and you expect Kevin Owens to chat shit back to them. And at the moment, he's just not having any of it and he's just decking them in the face, (laughs) knocking them right down. It's a shame that Kevin Owens, of what he had last year, and then this year he's the Rumble prop-up guy. He's like, oh, that sucks. He's going for Roman in the title, and the huge angle with Sami Zayn setting up that amazing run into WrestleMania, and then the main event of WrestleMania with the Usos. But now they've just hit this. Well, at least Bobby Lashley's got a new faction to fight against. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of Bobby Lee Lashers, uh, he came out with his friends to reflect on a difficult 2023 declaring himself for the Royal Rumble and earning himself a beating from a debuting most Eastern European-looking faction in WWE history, <laughs> Karrion Cross. But he's not just joined by Scarlet, as Paul Ellering steps out from the shadows and the Authors of Pain attack from behind, Triple H continuing to bring back the badly booked lads to give them a second chance, or third in the case of Karrion Cross. People seem to really like his new finisher move. Maybe that can help sell the group, is a, a new move kind of hit by that, uh, with that kind of momentum. I don't know what they're called, but I've called them the uh, Badly Booked Lads. Because <laughs> they're back again. Tyler Bate made his main roster debut after seven years with WWE. A, a British strong style reuniting as Bate was revealed as Dunn's mystery tag partner. Of course I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> of course I am. It's great, great to see British strong style. Uh, obviously, uh, Trent Seven, the final third. Uh, they were so good in progress when they got signed by WWE. And they used that to be greater than thou heels that then took all the belts and just we're pristine 
prestigious because we assigned to WWE and became heels off of it. I was like, oh, it works so well. <laughs> it works so well. Tyler Bate on the main roster after all of this time, continuing to just drag Pete Dunne away from whatever the hell Vince was doing with him, <laughs> just straightening him up. <laughs> it was like, of course, Butch is the thing that the crowd know him by, and he's actually gotten over with, which is to Dunne's credit. This is kind of, as an actual character, just grounding him. It's like, okay, you're not this weird, feral, like one-note character of you are feral person, you go out and do all this weird comedy stuff. So, no, 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 we'll let you actually be Pete Dunne. <laughs> you may be called Butch, but in character, you are Pete Dunne. You are the Bruiserweight in character, even if, you know, all that other stuff. And maybe reuniting British Strong Style is that next course of action. And that's the end of SmackDown. That's the last thing I really want to talk about. The main talking point with Roman and Rocky. What on earth is going to happen there? And uh, more apologies to Australia, I guess. Oh, I did quite a few last week. <laughs> anyway, with that, we move on to Raw Day 8. Actually, Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Maybe I need to revisit this leaving the company thing. Maybe I should leave for nine years. Then I'll get a hero's reception when I return. Oh yeah, we can chant my name during the matches. CM Punk and Drew McIntyre. What an incredible promo segment this was. And and, and I've I've talked about quite a few promo segments so far my time doing this. But it feels like every other week there is just this really well done uh, piece of work. Yeah, there's not always seen Punk Cedric as well. Like I was talking about how much I enjoyed like the, the Miz and Walter's work. Like here with Punk and McIntyre, Punk and Seth Rollins was like kind of one level. I personally took way more out of this than I did the Seth Rollins one. Mostly because I, I'm not behind the Seth Rollins character. I'm not invested in what he's doing. But... Drew McIntyre, he so is. There is so much to him as a heel character that you now understand his motivations and you understand how his brain is thinking and why he's reacting the way he is and you are able to predict how he's going to react because of all of these established things. Meaning, when a character like that comes across a promo guy like CM Punk and both are cutting promos, working with reality, Punk from the reality era of WWE, that is such a perfect setup for CM Punk. (laughs) They absolutely killed it, both of them. Drew, with the absolute perfect promo, reacting exactly how his character has been established to react because of what happened last week. Like last week, I was talking about how it was Drew's own fault he lost that match, but he's a character unable to look at himself for the blame. When out comes CM Punk for a lovely surprise opening promo battle that I just didn't see coming on the schedule. 
Drew taking issue because of what Punk did to him personally back when. Back when he was in a dark place and he needed an actual locker room leader. But Punk was just there as a guy just calling himself leader. That set up the rest of this premise so well. I needed an actual leader. You were just calling yourself it. I was able to turn to guys like Randy Orton and they were, they were actually able to help me. You were not that guy. <laughs> just shattering that reality or that mirage Punk had created for himself or whatever. But Punk saying that he led, exa- led by example when he left. Drew McIntyre, somebody who also left and made a huge name for himself and returned in such a way. Now Drew's the one leading by example with the way he's come back. Punk dropping the Cody line. He just mentions Cody's name to a hmm reaction. That tells me Cody is still the man fans are behind. Punk's character, he kind of needs to main event night one of WrestleMania against Rollins. That can all work, it's all been established, whatever. But with fans more invested in Cody and Rocky's roads, does the Rumble need to adhere and bend to that? When outside of the Rumble you've got plenty of room to tell those stories, do you need to bend the Rumble? to the fans wants to see Cody succeed off of the huge match of Rocky Roman. Do you need the Rumble to bend to that? Basically, it's that worry of when the fans are so behind a thing and you bring a massive uh, character back in CM Punk, because they're more invested in Roman than they are Seth Rollins, they're more invested in the title challenges for him than they are for the title challenges for Seth Rollins. Do you (laughs) bend to that and have Cody or Rocky win because they're the two names? Or do you use it to set up CM Punk? I like all of the roads. For me, any of those three winning would be lovely. Obviously, Rocky just doesn't need it. Rocky doesn't even need to go for the title. A Roman Rock match doesn't need to be anything to do with the title because it's not about that. It's about the head of the table. But if you're putting all of the things on the line to make it the biggest match possible, you also put the title on the line. But when it comes to Cody and Punk, I have no idea what Cody's and what his road to WrestleMania is going to be if he's not in the main event of WrestleMania. CM Punk feel like he's solidly in night one, Seth Rollins. Like that feels pretty much all set. Should you bend the rumble to what the fans are most invested in? Or do you use it for the other one? Add some kind of prestige to it by having CM Punk finally win the Rumble. He's finally going to main event WrestleMania. It's all going to happen. <laughs> I think I'll be incredibly interested for what happens at Elimination Chamber if Cody does win the Rumble. Because suddenly that just blows things wide open. <laughs> maybe things do just slot into place <laughs> at that point. And the Rumble maybe is that thing was like, okay, now I can see where the rest of the road is going. Whilst if Punk wins, it's still wide open on SmackDown. The world is in, the WWE is in such a better place that if there is that negative of person that we as a fan base are most invested in doesn't win this thing, I don't think there's that same level of uproar. Because there just isn't that same level of dissatisfaction without, within the whole company, within everything that's happening. In 2014 and 15, that was an, an entirely different story. Look at the sheer level of dissatisfaction. Like CM Punk was represented. There's a reason his name was chanted for so long after he left. He was representative of the fans' reaction to WWE at that time. So even if the Royal Rumble doesn't go the way that you as a fan want, elsewhere in the company, you're pretty satisfied with the whole world and stories that are being told. I feel like that is one thing to take away with the whole kind of gender talk that happened this past week. The, the fans of WWE are pretty satisfied with the product right now. Like they're pretty happy. And not a lot's going to change that. <laughs> they can even book Jinder Mahal in a championship match and they'll still be happy. <laughs> that, that, that is the sign of a satisfied audience. They are happy with what they're being fed. Uh, actually, we'll, I'll go through the rest of the show. Because there's going to be so much talk over the next little while of like the Royal Rumble, because also that's got, the actual show itself is coming up. And they've got the Road to WrestleMania to talk more about Australia and The Rock and Cody Rhodes, <laughs> all that stuff. 
So let's go through the rest of the show. The week that I've kind of donned as the week all my predictions from the previous week died on their arse, we'll call this week the consequence of my words, or Imp was wrong, what an idiot. <laughs> Where, first off, Nia Jax declared herself for the Rumble. When I said Nia Jax would be facing Ripley for the title, wrong. AJ Styles Elimination Chamber, wrong. Randy Orton, <laughs> the Royal Rumble, wrong, because it's a fatal four-way. I know he's in the match, but I'm, I'm counting it as wrong. <laughs> Pretty much everything I said, wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> well, the only thing I got right was Cody Rhodes beating Shinsuke so he can move on to the next thing for the Rumble. <laughs> so everything else, completely wrong. So Nia Jax declared herself for the Royal Rumble. Uh, Rare Ripley did come out to chat shit, though, so, you know, I'm not too off-base. Uh, the champion reminding us that the last time Nia was in the Rumble, it was Rhea Bloody Ripley herself that eliminated her. Michael Cole came out like he's Tony Schiavone to introduce Nia Jax, and then just like Tony Schiavone, just asks a question and just leaves. <laughs> it's like, didn't even need to be there <laughs> for the format, but I appreciate it. It was to tease Nia and Ripley, and maybe you do that in Australia so they can have Rhea Ripley get the big Aussie pop. Nia's been way better than she had in her previous run. Now, whatever was kind of hindering her in that way, whatever was holding her back, be it her, be it other forces, like, they're clearly not holding back anymore. Yeah, good stuff is happening with Ajax, which is <laughs> really weird to say. And unfortunately, because it's a WWE show, I also have to talk just about the, the, the nothing <laughs> that happened over the past few days before this recording this podcast. So Jinder Mahal, of all people, stepped to Seth Rollins, and after last week with The Rock, and after the way he cut that promo, I was just like, it was really good. You could even just set him up a little bit. Just, you know, you can do Jinder Seth in a way that is just flashing a pan. It's absolutely fine. And you know what this is? This It's not the way that I predicted it would be, but it is exactly what they are doing. <laughs> Jinder Mahal has stepped to Seth Rollins, used the momentum from the mark instead of just letting him die off, and you put in a match with Seth Rollins. It's also on television, so it's not even as big as a match as I was <laughs> thinking they might go with. It's purely because when I looked at the Rumbles, like, everyone big is in the Rumble, and they're absolutely stacking it on the raw side. So someone like Mahal, you can heat him up for a little bit, give him the three-week push or whatever, then have him just lose to Seth at the Rumble. That's absolutely fine, whatever. But they're they're, they're, st- they're really sticking to the three-week push. <laughs> this is and then this is your classic three-weeks push of big setup, confirmation of match, match done. That's it. <laughs> but yeah, it gets over Seth. Seth Rollins a match to win. It gets Jinder an actual character to possibly work with. He's a guy who could take up a spot in the Rumble, get eliminated to a nice pop absolutely fine but everything that then happened afterwards and this is where I'm really happy I'm just not really on Twitter anywhere near as much as I used to be join the social suplex discord <laughs> way better community but with all of this that was it seemed to be comparing AEW coincidentally at the same time I've done a quick build to Hook versus Samoa Joe well AEW surely they're doing a big sudden quick thing there was one slight difference where Jinder Mahal exactly like his WWE championship run back in 2017 had no momentum, was booked. If he was booked, he was booked to lose. He was booked as a job. He hasn't won anything. He's got zero momentum whatsoever. The only momentum is he has is he had a segment with The Rock because he was a guy who could get beaten by The Rock and nobody else really could have their momentum stored because of the bigger pictures they're doing. Jinder Mahal is absolutely the perfect guy to send out there because he's not going to get... Any damage he takes doesn't matter because he doesn't have any momentum to damage. He's the perfect guy. But <laughs> Hook is undefeated. He's basically undefeated. If I'm right, he's lost one match. In terms of the regard of like the records, like Jinder Mahal booked from absolutely nothing to become a number one contender on the night more next week. Whatever WWE under like, and they still condition me for that to make to work in their world. That is the way their world functions. 
people just come out and make challenges, get accepted, you're number one contender. Actual win-loss records under Vince never mattered. Um, they matter a lot more under Triple H, but this sort of thing is still ingrained and still happens. It's still part of their universe. It's part of their world building. In, in terms of the rules of their world, this does happen a lot. So this isn't, for me, That's not. it's not too big a stretch. It makes sense within the WWE world because they conditioned it to make sense in that world. They are. These are the rules of their universe. They're not the rules of wrestling universe. They're not the right rules of all other wrestling or wrestling outside of WWE. But in WWE, this is how WWE operates. Obviously, with AEW, it doesn't work that way. Your win-loss record quite often does come into it, which is why it does stand out when somebody just challenges you and it happens. Hook hasn't been on TV getting mass momentum, but his win-loss record has been booked to be impressive. So when he challenges Samoa Joe... It's not that feeling of, you've come out of nowhere. It's more of a feeling of, eh, you're not at your hottest or your like biggest streak of momentum, but you do have a good win-loss record. So you challenge me for the title isn't too out of nowhere. The Jinder stuff is completely out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, then with, uh, He came up with the Rock segment and he used that momentum to then go against Seth Rollins. Uh, and see what came out of that. <laughs> and we'll just say, there were tweets from uh, the USA Network uh, talking about cage match was a, a weird duality. <laughs> There's uh, Tony Khan posting his jokes, Inder Mahal posting his jokes, other wrestlers posting their jokes. And I looked at it, I had a little chuckle at all of the jokes. And I went on with my day. I come back, uh, and the, I go to sleep because I'm in Europe. <laughs> I wake up the next morning... And it's like, all hell has broken loose. It's that meme. It's uh, Troy and community turning up with a pizza. It's everything. <laughs> I'm just like, this is so dumb. <laughs> this is so nothing. This is an entire debate and argument. I, I just, I've, uh, obviously, the tribalism within the wrestling was the most predictable thing. Because for some weird thing, people get really attached to the different companies that want to take their money from them. <laughs> it's, it's so strange. Uh, even Samoa Joe himself. I've only just put these comparisons together. Samojo himself, earlier this week, before any of this happened, tweeted that he laughs when uh, when Xbox fans and PlayStation fans argue and bitter and have a huge argument over who's going to take their money from them. <laughs> which which capitalist company gets to take all their money from them? And he have huge arguments about that. Samojo tweeted about that <laughs> before any of this happened. <laughs> I've only just realised <laughs> the amazingness of that. This this whole thing was a thing of nothing. <laughs> and then the reactions to it on my feed, because the kind of people that I follow and get onto my feeds, which is a lot of people just doing, like, basically just sighing. The equivalent of a, a joint... Uh, <laughs> just all together now. Like, uh, come on. <laughs> like a disappointed parent. Like, you can be better than this. <laughs> like, I'm not angry. I'm I'm just I'm just I'm just going to I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I'm going to leave the room. I'm going to give you a moment to yourself. You can get your thoughts together by yourself. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave for a bit. <laughs> that's the vibe. That's the vibe I was getting. It's absolutely nothing. Uh, I, I am gonna praise the stuff within this. The actual thing that was on the television as well. Uh, Jinder showing he actually has a character now. Just you know, it's week two, and he's writing the main title picture. <laughs> Just to bring it out there. At least Seth touched on the reality like we were overlooking you on purpose. We were trying to forget you. Which is the other point of like, no, the Jinder Mahal was actually good. In WWE's own canon that they're now using to promote this match, it wasn't good. <laughs> that line from Seth only works if as a, as a joint universe we all agree. It wasn't good. We were trying to forget you. <laughs> it's part of their world that they have said in there. And I was covering WWE for the time for Wrestling Headlines. 
and I remember <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that was all of WWE within 2017. It was just a bad year. There's a reason AEW got the momentum it did. There's a reason every, uh, New Japan for Wrestling with their big show suddenly got such a huge kind of interest from the West. Like, WWE was not good at this point. And the Jinder Rain was so transparently just about trying to tap into the Indian market. And it didn't work, because obviously the Indian market, it's just like every other market, you still need to be invested in the characters. Him just being an Indian character that just in a prominent position isn't enough, because they are also people. <laughs> They're not just a culture to be tapped, a market to be tapped. They still need to tell them stories at the exact same level you tell us stories. <laughs> it's a very weird... Uh, see me stance from Vince that the Indian market would just take to Jinder Mahal because he's Indian. But no, you still need to give them a character to get invested in. <laughs> he can't just shortcut that entire section. Like, no, they no. What are you doing, Vince? <laughs> give an actual character in the story they can actually get attached into. It's yeah, so unsurprising the whole Mahal push didn't work, and every match was reviewed incredibly badly, and it was the same copy and paste thing as well. The one thing I will say is when Jinder Mahal faced Seth Rollins for the NXT Championship all that time ago. It was your pretty high-quality three-star championship match on WWE television. To circle it all the way back to what I was talking about with Io Shirai, it's like I set it up on purpose. <laughs> I didn't, but it's like I did. Well, wait, it's just, I've seen Jinder Mahal step up to that level. So all the, so all the jokes of him, I was like, okay, he's time to step up, Jinder, deliver that two-star match I know you're capable of. <laughs> it's like... I know he's capable of it. I've seen him do it. I, I reckon he could get to three <laughs> if he really tried. That was, what, a decade ago? So, you know, pinch of salt. It's been a while. But during that whole Jinder run, he was never in any position to show any of that. The way his character was booked would never allow him to showcase really any of his, like, the abilities he's generally got in terms of, like, pushing himself as a performer, as a wrestler. Like, his character never allowed that. I've got a little asterisk of he might step above what people are expecting, especially now with all his attention on it. And Seth Rollins is going to bring it. Like This is the type of motivating things like, oh, this is going to have maybe too much effort and focus on the producers and stuff when, you know, he could just do the EO Miriam thing of just like have a solid TV match and that'll probably be the better impressive thing rather than all the bells and whistles. But this might get all the bells and whistles. Like, <laughs> but like, man, Jinder Mahal straight up completes his story in three weeks. Like, come on, Cody, what are you playing at? <laughs> You're not even trying, mate. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, Jinder Mahal is not going to become champion. This is all about setting, giving Seth Rollins a win and setting him up for his big road for WrestleMania. The fact that there are fans on Twitter uh, being like he should become champion means that WWE has done their job in trying to convince you that he's a worthy contender. If that, those people, for them... And they're, they're, yeah, they've, yes, I can laugh a little bit at the, to me, a slightly overreaction. <laughs> Being like, no, they should actually crown him champion. No, no, That means that they've convinced you that his character or whatever is worth, whatever, whatever, whatever reasons. They, they as fans have been convinced. And that was the entire point of the segment, to try and convince you. Because that's part of the struggle is, how do, you con- how do you give Seth a title match against somebody on television and try and get you sucked in? the belief that he could maybe possibly not win it and that adds to the adversity of everything he's got to go through as champion. Their reactions tell me, with some people, they massively achieved that. And that means, good job, WWE. You've nailed it. You've tapped your fan base and you've got the reaction that you would want more than anything. 
Uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's the end of Moonlight Raw. This is going to be a, over a one hour recording. Like, you're still getting thirty minutes. Don't don't get, don't get excited. <laughs> that time will still have a three at the start of it. <laughs> I will not let you have <laughs> anything higher than that. Let's move on quickly to our next. The closing moments for Dragon Lee up over big victory. Whoa 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 whoa. Booker. A new North American champion striking when the iron is hot, not wasting any time on Oberfemi at all. Is his gimmick that he's shit? Lexus King <laughs> chatting shit and accidentally convincing the big lad to immediately cash in his breakout contract on the show's main title match like it's the money in the bank. Dragon Lee and Lexus King was the original main event, with Dragon Lee obviously being the champion. They had their perfectly fine little belt. Uh, Interference was teased with another lad being held back from getting the shot in on Brian Pilmagilia. I liked how that then set up that people could come down to this match. And the match ended perfectly fine and clean. There was that little interference of others, of the outside world of NXT, trying to get their shot in on this match. Arguably, King's is he shit? A gimmick is the perfect antithesis for Dragon Lee, whose gimmick is that he's awesome. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing how Lexus King has no swag. The way that he holds himself just doesn't quite fit. It. The fact he shaved balls into his chin <laughs> means he won't get out of a Britless, Britless show alive. <laughs> he's just doing lots of little things, which are massive minuses. It's like, ugh, every, these little details just take me out of... His beard was already bad, then he saved ball, shaved balls into it. <laughs> what are you doing, my man? <laughs> but it works if his gimmick is, is he shit? <laughs> if that's his gimmick, then it works so perfectly. Him going for the title and Dragon Lee with his gimmick of that he is awesome. It, it works It works so perfectly. It works so perfectly. But yeah, in the match itself, Lexus losing concentration after a near fall and it's piss easy. <laughs> as, it's as easy as that. Just a snap in into with a super kick and then a Destino. Don't know what they're calling it on here. It's the Destino. As they're showing the replay for the match with Dragon Lee having won the match, Oberfemi's music starts to play during the replay. Imagination's in my head of Yakubu. Oberfemi Martin scoring goals of celebrations. Out he comes! <laughs> Out comes Oberfemi, the big man, with his contract, cashing it in like money in the bank. A spinning DDT sets up a potential destino, but there's no stopping Nigerian power like he's... Um, Oh, what's in there? Emanike. <laughs> there we go. There's the other striker. Big, powerful striker. Oberfemi catches him, lifts him into the power bomb with ease, and hits one mighty finish like it's JJ Kotcher. That's my final Nigerian footballer. <laughs> Name that I'm randomly throwing. So impressive. A massive athletic lad who can talk and everything, as we saw in the backstage interview. It's almost like he fully understands his character and how his character would speak with it already. Like you can almost see what immediately why he's crowned given the North American Championship. They're not only impressive in the ring, he's confident on the microphone and he's doing it in a way that matches his character so perfectly. <laughs> the future's looking real bright with this guy. Don't even hesitate, just immediately go for it. Like Plans had to be changed anyway because of Wesley's injury and uh, Dragon Lee is a main roster star <laughs> at this point. So you might as well just like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, speaking of moving on, I love that Vic Joseph's commentary call for Nikita Lyons on Blair Devonport's parking lot brawl, like, it's been going on 15-20 minutes, insinuates that the fight also included a mutual costume change out of their casuals into their wrestling gear for television. <laughs> like a makeup truce. <laughs> They're just angrily staring at like looking at each other through the reflections of the mirror whilst they sat down on the, on, by their lockers and tying up their boots. <laughs> just staring across each other like as soon as I finish tying this 
bowing my laces. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I just, I, I just, this is, this is the kind of logistical nonsense I want in my wrestling. <laughs> you show them in their casuals having a fight in the parking lot, and then you show them coming into the wrestling ring in the, into the arena in their wrestling gear, and the commentator said they've been fighting for 15, 20 minutes. It's like that's the kind of nonsense I want in my wrestling. <laughs> you lot arguing whether Jinder Mahal or Hook is the most realistic contender. I'm over here watching NXT insinuating that a, a, a fight had been going on that included a costume change. <laughs> this is what I want. Uh, make it make sense? Nah. Nah, not in these parts. This is making the sense. <laughs> they had a mid-fight, make-up truce. That's my reality. End of argument. <laughs> that is how it happened. Match itself wasn't much to talk about, but I loved the reality I created for myself when Vic Joseph said that. <laughs> uh, the Dusty Cup, with the traditional thrown together top talent teams as well as established togethers. Corbin and Breaker versus Gallus. NXT's two most hated, most villainous, mostest villainous, clicking together just at the right moment to spear and end their days into the win, just when it looked like their cohesion was at its absolute worst and a breaking point. Suddenly they react to Gallus is charging in really well. The other team was uh, Axiom and Fraser, a more established pairing. The high-flying lads beating Hank Tank. <laughs> I mean, I, or was it Hank? Uh, what does it call them? The Hank and the Tank? I think uh, that's not what they're called. Is it just Hank and Tank? It's, do they have a name? <laughs> I, I mean, my notes that Hank Tank, because I wasn't really, like, whatever... Tiffany Stratton's punishment on Fallon's horse ranch. I'm going to keep saying that she's so many for the main roster. Introduced to the concept of what poop a horse make. <laughs> Stratton and her character, they're just so ready. And obviously this was WWE style, like vignette comedy. It's still, you know, pretty childish humour, nothing, poopy stuff. <laughs> it's just like... Well, what do you mean that that's the kind of poop horse make? That is that is okay. <laughs> it's that level of comedy. But it, this is my real example of what I was talking about earlier with a, somebody who has generally just figured out their character and it's every part of that is ready as, as well as the in-ring stuff. It's all figured out. Tiffany Stratton is that. That's why I say she's ready for the main roster. Wouldn't even be against a Royal Rumble proper, even working as a proper call-up or whatever. She is so ready at this point. Everything is figured out. Anyway, quick note, I love Metaphor's entrance. <laughs> the final note of the show. I generally love Metaphor's entrance. I'm like, Gnome Dar's starting, starting to make me laugh more. I remember when I first started this, watching this NXT stuff for, this, for these reviews. I, I wasn't having him. <laughs> I wasn't having it. But now, he's grown on me. He's grown on me very quickly. And he's, he's getting little reactions out of me. Damn you, Gnome Dar. <laughs> what you're saying is stupid. <laughs> it's very silly humour. But you're getting those little laughs out of me. How dare you? <laughs> little, little laughs every every week now. But also, like just a little things like Lash Legend is clearly going to be a big deal. And the group as a whole, I kind of do like their dynamic. I don't know how well they work on the main roster because they, the others can almost scream jobbers in the way that they should be using the main roster. But then there's Lash Legend, who is not that. She is above that as a character and the way that she holds herself and everything. The other three could easily kind of just fall into that, but they work as a group as well. So it's perfectly fine to be like a jungle group if you're perfectly working and you're perfectly entertaining. The problem with the Vince here was he sucked at comedy. So it was very difficult to get you to actually like these jobber factions because he was not very good at getting you to invested in these kind of characters. They lost momentum extremely quickly. In the Triple H era, there's an act like this could, uh, could exist, could survive. But their entrance is great. I love their entrance. That is the end of the NXT review. Definitely my longest recording. 
And as I said, you're not getting it though. <laughs> Maybe I need to start making this like a social suplex, like Patreon exclusive or something. Just like my actual full recording, especially when I go this long. Yeah, you'll get 30 minutes. You don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With that, I say uh, thank you for listening, liking, engaging in any form, any manner. Always appreciate it. Never take it for granted. I'll be back next week to talk about the WWE week that was. And with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.